This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, everyone, and welcome. This is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to The Mindful Experiment. In this episode, I had the distinct honor of interviewing uh, Dr. Dawson Church. Um, This guy is absolutely amazing. His research is unreal, and he really brings to the table how to really change matter with your mind. And He has a lot of research to back that up, and he's written many books about it also. Dawson Church is a PhD. He's an award-winning author whose best-selling book, The Genie in Your Genes, has been hailed by reviewers as a breakthrough in our understanding of the link between emotions and genetics. 
His follow-up title, Mind to Matter, reviews the science of peak mental states. He founded the National Institute of Integrative Healthcare to study and implement promising evidence-based psychological and medical techniques. His groundbreaking research has been published in prestigious scientific journals. He is the editor of Energy Psychology, Theory, Research, and Treatment, a peer-reviewed professional journal, and a blogger for the Huffington Post. He shares how to apply the breakthrough of energy psychology to health and athletic performance through EFT Universe, one of the largest alternative medicine sites on the web. Um, I can't say anything more about this guy. It's, it's, it's more what his bio says here. He's even more than that on the interview. So get some notes out. Have some fun with this. Um, if this is the first time you've been exposed to something like this, have an open mind because I promise you, this stuff is amazing. I have used, especially with EFT, I've done this many times in my life. And it's just a really, really great uh, episode where we share a lot of great stuff. So here is Dr. Dawson Church. Dawson, I want to welcome you to the show. It is so good to be here, Vic. Thank you. Thanks for being on. I, I looked at your stuff and everything you're about, and, and you're like a, a perfect fit for the, the podcast and and just diving into, which I'm excited to just go through this next hour with you. So thanks for being on again. Well, I love what you're doing here. It's a pleasure to be part of it. Thank you. So you wrote this amazing book, right? And one of the times anyone ever reads a, writes a book, I'm always curious to know what like inspired you or who was you, who were you writing the book for? Um, whichever one comes first, you the answer. I wrote the book for the general reader, and as a science writer, my job is to read the research of people who are way smarter than I am, Vic, (laughs) (laughs) and then explain it in a way that makes sense to people who are a general readership. I'll just give you one little example. One day, (laughs) this is a funny story, I was at a science scientific conference, I, I was wrestling with the whole idea of how to illustrate the difference between signaling our cells. So when we signal the cells of our body, we can do that with mechanical methods. Mechanical methods are things like neurotransmitters and hormones. So we have have molecular interactions happening, which send these molecular signals to our cells and the cells respond to those. But I was trying to get an image or a simile or a metaphor for the whole idea that our cells also respond to energy and to invisible electromagnetic frequencies. And so I was at this conference and I just gone to a board meeting at the conference. I was walking back to my car and I was just thinking, how do I explain this in a way that my housekeeper will get the difference between invisible energy signaling and mechanical signaling? So I'm walking up to this rental car with the keys in my hand, about to stick it in the door lock and open the car. And then I hit the clicker. And of course the clicker automatically unlocks all the doors. In fact, in some cars, another click will start the engine. So there suddenly I had examples. So in my, in my earlier book, The Genie in Your Genes, I used that, that simile for the fact that, yeah, you can use a mechanical device. You can go and stick the, the key in the lock and you can turn the key, or you can push a button, send out an invisible energy pulse and produce the same effect. So, so I try and find similes like that, that will really let people understand some of these scientific concepts, which are extremely difficult to understand otherwise. So that's really my my job as a science writer. And I I try and convey these to people also with a sense of excitement, because in Mind to Matter, many of the discoveries are very recent. 
And they are incredibly exciting because they have profound implications for people's health. You, you can literally add decades to your lifespan by doing the simple shifts in consciousness I describe in the book. So uh, I, I, I want to convey that excitement that science is not dry or dull. Science is practical, exciting, and can make a huge difference in the quality of your life. So those are some of my, my objectives in, in sharing this material. I love it. I mean, it, it's, I think we, we're barely starting to understand and tap into uh, the mind and the capabilities of what it can really do and how it influences our life in so many different levels. And I love how you bring up the whole aspect with, you know, the body and adding decades to your life. I would love to dive deep into that because as being a chiropractor, uh, that is something that, you know, I, as a chiropractor, I, my background is studying not only just chiropractic and neurology and neuroscience, but also um, the and my background is in energy medicine too, and understanding how these subtle energies play a massive role on our health and how it interferes and uh, all that stuff. So how, you know, I'll let you take the role on where you want to go with that. But uh, I'm curious to know, how does the mind and the physical body, how does it help with your health and everything overall? I've done a number of clinical trials. I've been involved in something like 100 clinical trials in some way, shape or form. And I've, I've been the primary investigator in quite a number of clinical trials. So if you look me up on a medical database like PubMed, you'll find many Dawson Church studies. And Initially, my if you look at the trajectory of my research like 20 years ago, I was very focused on psychological and mood states. I wanted to know how anxiety and depression changed when you used energy therapies. And so my earlier studies are all about that. So they're using meditation, they're using EFT, active pressure tapping, they're using some kind of behavioral energy approach that uses acupuncture meridians or uses other kinds of energetic shifts and then we track the change in people's mood. But what I then reasoned, okay, here I'm seeing people get unstressed. And for example, one, I did one study with 216 healthcare workers, like doctors, actually there were a bunch of chiropractors in there, nurses, psychotherapists, and we found that in one day of acupressure, EFT, mm. acupressure tapping, that their level of anxiety and depression dropped by 45% in just one day, one, one day seminar. So I thought, my next thought was, well, if their anxiety and depression is dropping, then the hormones that are triggered by anxiety and depression, like adrenaline, like cortisol, must also be dropping. So I then began to look for changes in cortisol. And I did a, did a, a large-scale, triple-blind, randomized controlled trial of people getting one session either of, of EFT or of talk therapy. And we found that they had not only did they have this big drop in their, their, their symptoms of anxiety and depression dropped twice as much with EFT as with talk therapy, but their cortisol declined significantly even in one hour. And the lab I had analyzing the results for me, they were late getting the, 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 the cortisol numbers back to me several weeks late. And I eventually phoned them and said, what on earth is going on there? I'm waiting weeks and weeks. It only takes 24 hours, maybe three days at the most to get your cortisol results back from the lab. Why has it been three weeks? And they said, Dr. Church, we have been analyzing your samples and we've been recalibrating our equipment. It's clear something's broken on our end because cortisol cannot fall this fast. We've done hundreds of thousands of cortisol trials. We've never seen anything, anything like this. That, that was 10 years ago. Now they know. They get a batch of samples in for me. They know they're going to see rapid drops in cortisol. But before, they'd never seen this in all their experience. So I reasoned that if our anxiety and depression is going down, it must be affecting us biochemically. So I, I then began to look at the effects of those 
changes in intangible mental states, what gives rise, the thoughts, the beliefs, the experiences that give rise to anxiety and depression, but then they become biology, they become cortisol. So from there, after finishing that trial, and it took many years and involved a, a fairly significant research team to do that, then I said, okay, if this is shutting down our body's production of cortisol, if our cortisol is dropping rapidly in this one hour of therapy, then the genes that code for the cortisol molecule must be being down-regulated. And then I had to design a study, and this is, again, very, very difficult back then. This is, this is like 2009, 2010, but actually looking at gene expression. Are our genes, those genes, being down-regulated? And eventually, that's when it took about seven years to conduct. It was with, with veterans, mostly people who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, a few Vietnam veterans, a couple of older veterans. Uh, we found in that study that 10 sessions of EFT tapping Active pressure again affecting just energy flows, no medication, no kind of conventional treatment. Uh, that they were having significant drops in cortisol, but that the genes that regulate stress were changing. So there was significant change in key genes that regulate stress, that regulate inflammation markers, that regulate markers for immunity. All of these shifts were happening at the level of the genome. So now we had evidence that energy therapies aren't just affecting our mood, they're affecting the biochemical molecules like cortisol that are tied to stress and mood, and they're literally turning off the genes. I'll tell you one, one more study before, before we, we, we wrap this up. Um, I then had a ver an amazingly talented research team that I was working with, and, and again, these guys are, they are much, much smarter than I am. And they said, Dawson, you know, let's take a look at these samples that you've collected from these people. Let's get a bunch more research funding in. Let's look at these tiny little, little particles called microRNAs. And these are little epigenetic tags that attach to the gene, and they literally will stop a gene from expressing, and they're found at different locations on, on, on the chromosome. So if you have depression, if you have PTSD, if you have anxiety, then these little these little epigenetic markers called microRNAs are sticking to that part of the genome, and they're preventing the expression of that gene. And that's exactly what we found. We found that as people did this energy work, that these epigenetic tags were literally popping off their genes. So you are having massive effects biologically all across your system when you use these energy therapies and we can show that in the body. I think that's fascinating. And real quick, before I go diving deep with all this, I, real just to share for the listeners, what is EFT so they can hear what that is all about? The full name is Emotional Freedom Techniques. And just the way acupuncturists use needles, and certain needles in parts of your body to stimulate energy flow, to shift energy flows in the body, acupressure can be used in the same way. So it's just pressure with your fingertips, usually tapping on acupuncture points. And I wrote a book called the EFT Manual. The most edition, recent edition is the fourth edition. And um, in, in that book, and also in a large number of case studies online and over 100 clinical trials, we're showing that EFT is effective for all of these conditions. So EFT is emotional freedom techniques. It takes about two minutes to use it. It's super quick, used by a lot of athletes, used by a lot of Olympic athletes, a lot of top-level athletes, NBA players, uh, National Hockey League, National Football League players. People all over the place are using EFT, acupressure tapping, shifting their energy. And what we see now in like MRI studies is that 
when people are upset, the whole middle part of the brain, the emotional midbrain or limbic system, is highly activated. So in a recent trial of food cravings, for example, when these women who were in the, in the clinical trial, they had, uh, they, they had high degrees of craving for things like chocolate and sweets and pasta and pizza and salty foods and cake and all these things that, that make you fat. So we had them in an MRI exposed to views of these things. They were seeing little images of all of these foods typically craved. And when they saw those images, their whole emotional brain lit up. So now that, that part of the brain is highly active. So it's not just food to them, it's triggering an emotional reaction in the brain. After EFT treatment, we put them back in the MRIs and we scan them again, looked again at their emotional brain while they looked at those images of pasta and pizza and chocolate and cake and all the things that they craved. And their emotional midbrains were just dead calm, just no extraordinary activity there at all. So it's counter conditioning. It's shifting their conditioning. It's releasing all the emotion they have around food. Now it's just food. So that's the way EFT works. It calms the emotional brain. And again, it's, it's incredibly effective for all these things. I teach it. I do live workshops all over the world. In EFT, I've written a manual called the EFT Manual. And I just am such a believer in getting this into the hands of as many people as I possibly can. I love that. And is it with, with EFT? Cause I mean, I've done EFT about, I got exposed to it like 10 years ago and uh, I was like, okay, this is cool. I mean, I understood meridians. I understood how they work. And I was like, I'm going to mess around with this and see. And it was, I was quite fascinated with the, the experience of what I went through uh, and how it helped me. Now, is this also with research and things that you're talking about the brain and the midbrain, lipid brain, is this also can help bring neural patterning, neuroplasticity to ways uh, we can help an individual kind of break away from that, uh, their normal conditioning, maybe with food or habits, uh, focusing on emotions, those types of things? That is the critical question. And in EFT, and the other thing I really believe in strongly is meditation. Meditation is the foundation of a happy life because it regulates your emotions and you no longer are reactive. EFT is a quick stress reduction technique. So meditation takes a while. It takes a daily practice. It takes 20, 30, 40 minutes in the, middle, in the beginning of the day or the middle of the day or the end of the day. So meditation takes that commitment. But then to calm yourself in the, in, in the, in the, just the, the cut and thrust of everyday life, you need EFTs. So those are the two fundamental things I teach. And so in chapter one of my new book, Mind to Matter, I have the example of a TV broadcast host called Graham Phillips, who has a show called Catalyst. And he'd heard about these energy types of, of approaches, didn't believe in them, didn't think there was really anything to them, but it had read that mindfulness, meditation, all these energy kinds of techniques can help you. So he decided to take an eight-week mindfulness course. And because he was a TV host, he was he was he was filmed over the course of that eight weeks. And before he went in and began his 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 process of learning mindfulness meditation and using it each day, he went to a lab in a really state of the art lab at a nearby university called Monash University near where he lived, and they gave him a comprehensive battery of tests, including scans, high resolution MRI scans of each different part of his brain. They measured it down to the, they're called voxels, the tiny little, little like pixels of what is going on in your brain. They measured the volume of density of neurons in his brain. Then he began to do mindfulness. And within just two weeks, he found he, had, he was less irritable. He was getting along with people better. He was much calmer driving and having deadlines. 
He went back to Monash after eight weeks and they measured his brain again. And now he's had a different state for eight weeks. So he has been in the state of being less irritable, being less stressed, being happier. So he's having the state change. But when he went back into Monash after eight weeks, they measured his brain again. And they found that there were distinct and observable and measurable changes in different parts of his brain in terms of neural mass. So certain parts of his brain grew by 2% or 3% or 4%, quite a, quite a big amount of growth in just eight weeks. But the part that grew the most was a part of the emotional brain called the dentate gyrus. And it looks like an octopus. It looks like it's kind of a spider with tendril, tendrils, test, uh, little, little tendrils going uh, into different parts of the brain. And what the dentate gyrus does is it helps you regulate emotions across multiple brain regions. And so if you have a, a bigger dentate gyrus, you're less affected by, by stress. You manage stress better. So between week one and week eight, his dentate gyrus grew by 22.8%. I mean, that's almost a quarter bigger. That's a huge, enormous amount of more nervous tissue, for more neural tissue for handling stress. Now, what's going to happen? When you do this, when you do meditation, when you do tapping, do these energy therapies, now, you've been feeling good, and feeling good is good. That's a state, a better state. You're in a state of calm, a state of happiness, a state of joy, a state of inner peace. But you now are beginning to cause so much firing in those neural circuits, you're now triggering wiring in those neural circuits. 22.8% increase in the dentate gyrus in only two months. Now you're forming traits. That's no longer how you feel temporarily. That's who you are literally at a cellular level in your neural network. Your brain has literally changed. And so we're now finding people who meditate and tap. They're having not just state change. They don't just feel better for a while. They have trait change where they are more resilient. They have a happy disposition. Even people who have a lifetime of depression, I, I was very depressed. I had PTSD when I was a kid, and I, I had depression. I was highly anxious. But much of my adult life was just like a, a walking nightmare until I discovered these kinds of practices and began to use them and changed completely. And so after a while, you're literally changing your brain. And that's what I, I hope to do with Mind to Matter and my other books. I hope to really, in fact, it, it's happening. People are emailing us. They're, they're, they're sending us letters. We're getting all kinds of feedback, but this is the book, Mind to Matter is the book that is finally convinced them to meditate. And when they try the simple meditations in the book, they find that even if they fail at every other kind of meditation, these meditations are totally science-based and they work and they're easy. So they're finding that even if the meditation hasn't been easy for them before, now it is and they, they do it. So for example, at a, a live workshop last month, one therapist came to me and said, I tried meditation before, couldn't do it. Yours is so simple. I decided to do it every single day for 90 days. So I asked her, well, where are you now in the 90 days? And she said, I'm on day 139 <laughs> because I didn't want to stop. Because after you, you, you used to feeling this good, you begin to turn those states into traits, and then you change your brain, change your body, and a lot of good things happen. And it's so true. I mean, Hebb's law, right? Nerves that fire together, wire together. And so as you keep putting on those pathways, I mean, 22, 20%, that's, that's for, I know listeners listening, that is massive, massive stuff. This is one of the things why I am on podcast in my personal life and my, 
in my chiropractic office that I, everything I do, I use, I recommend meditation highly for reasons like this and so much more. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fascinating. I think if people started to do that more, we wouldn't live in such a more, uh, a reactive society. We will be able to be more centered and calm and be able to just see things from a different eye than a more reactive eye. And that makes all the difference in your life. In chapter one of Mind to Matter, after I tell the Graham Phillips story, I list some of the, the ways in which this plays out in your life. I just want to read you a few of the items on that list and imagine, conjure with the idea of your life being like this. So give me a second here. I'll grab the book. And here is what, here's how the practice of this state can make a difference in your life. So just imagine if you had these kinds of improvements in, okay, here we go. So with more brain tissue in the dentate gyrus and that 22.8% increase in just two months, if you do this for two months, three months, four months, you have better emotional regulation. And so on page eight, I talk about that. This won't derail you when you're triggered by coworkers to your job by annoying things your spouse or your partner or child or parent says or does, being startled. It was interesting to be in a group of people the other day in a restaurant and um, the waiter dropped a tray full of glasses and plates, big, shattered on the, on the concrete floor. And the meditators around the table just looked around calmly. The non-meditators just jumped out of their, their, their skins. So uh, <laughs> startled behavior. Um, what politicians say and do. We read things, all kinds of crazy things about you know this, that, and the next thing in the news about this politician or that politician and, and, and outrageous things. And like some people are just reacting to it all the time and it sabotages their joy. Being stuck in traffic, stories in the news, the way your body looks and functions. You aren't reactive to your own body. Winning games and conflicts, losing games and conflicts. You know, I, I watched... Um, the, the the recent basketball series with 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 my kids and they're jumping up and down they get you all excited I'm, I'm i'm excited but it's like whoever wins whoever loses you're, you're just calm um religious conflicts people will have religious views different from yours and these can be a source of real conflict but you're calm if you have good emotional regulations regulation the stock market your investments um when the economy goes up when your investments go up and when they go down does your emotional state follow that um, being short of time, being overwhelmed, being late, um, money. If you say don't get some money you expected or do get some money, are you affected by that emotionally? Um, I'm only about halfway through the, the list the list over here, Vic, but you get the picture. It's, it's a much easier life if you have good emotional regulation. No, I totally agree. And I mean, have you looked at also like studies and stuff about how meditation helps with the prefrontal cortex or the frontal lobe? And yeah, essentially there are some parts of the brain that are important to know about. And um, it's, again, we don't want to get, uh, I don't try not to get too deep into this in the book, but there is a part of the brain called the default mode network, DMN, default mode network, because when we are doing a task, the brain defaults to these brain regions being active. And there's one region at the top of the prefrontal cortex, one in the back of the head called the posterior cingulate cortex or PCC. And so when you're, at, at default, when you're just at rest, when you are 
composing an email, singing a song, talking to a friend, uh, doing your job when you aren't doing anything that requires focus. Your brain defaults to the DMN, the default mode network, and these two brain regions are highly active. But the trouble with that is that the default mode network defaults to two things. One is it thinks about the bad things that happened to you in the past. It replays insults and problems and negative scenarios and emotional wounds. The second thing the default mode network does is it projects all of those into the future. And you think about bad things that might happen tomorrow, the next day, next year, and so on. And the reason that the brain evolved this way is very simply that to our ancestors, remembering the snake in the grass that you narrowly escaped yesterday and worrying about the snake in the grass you might encounter tomorrow, them doing that, rehearsing that really helped with their survival. But now we don't have snakes in the grass every day. There are no tigers about to spring out from behind our garage doors and devour us. But all we have all this brain tissue of the default mode network and we default to that automatically. So a huge study by two Harvard psychiatrists asked people at random intervals what, their, what they were doing and what their state was. And when they were doing a task, when they were at work, when they were at play, when they were socializing, they were generally happy. When they were doing nothing, they were generally unhappy because the default mode network kicks in. So what happens in meditators is two parts of the brain develop. And when we look at MRI scans of meditators, what we see is there's a part of, in the very, very front of your skull, right behind your, your eyebrows, called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, or DLPFC. And then there's a tendril running out from that to the limbic system, to the emotional brain, called the ventromedial PFC. So we have these two parts of the brain, and they get bigger in meditators. So now you have the most executive part of the executive brain gets bigger and faster. So now you have more attention, more focus. That in turn has this tendril, the ventromedial PFC, PFC running back into your emotional brain and controlling it. So long-term meditators literally can shut down the default mode network and be happy. So their mood rises. All the parts of their brain linked to happiness just turn on like a, a bunch of Christmas tree lights. It's just wonderful to see this in an MRI. And nobody's making you happy. I walked out this morning to talk to my neighbor and I was just dancing around the driveway and she said, well, why are you so happy? And I scratched my head and thought, do I have a reason? You just are, because it's your trait. So that's how you want to be. You want to have those traits and develop those parts of the brain. They literally go grow bigger and stronger and thicker when you do this. And then you have the hardware to regulate negative emotions. So when you, know, when you have, a, have a, a bad thing happen, when you lose your job, when the economy crashes, you get divorced, anything bad happens, you are resilient because of all this brain tissue you've grown. I love that. And I love when someone talks about the, uh, the, the prefrontal cortex in the sense of the ventral medial and, and stuff like that, because this is what uh, my studies in chiropractic is, is how do we influence and affect that? And how do we improve the function and the wiring of it through helping the brain communicate better with the body? So it's really, really, uh, it's fascinating. And this is why I love meditation too, because of that. It, it inhibits, like you were saying, it, 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 it inhibits that the temporal lobe and the responsiveness and the reactiveness for what, what existed, the fears and anxieties and, and just being over alert. Um, and it, it can make you live a happier life where you don't let little things get to you. So if listeners, if you're listening to this, definitely highly, highly recommend it. As I've had before, uh, and, and Dr. Dawson, I love the, the research you bring to the table with all this, meditating how it can drastically change your life. Because I know it has for me. 
massively. It does. It can produce many extra years to your life too. It is one of the studies that I, I review in Mind Matter. This is just one study show that on average, optimists live eight years longer than pessimists. I mean, think about that. Just being an optimist, just tapping away your, your, your stress. And suddenly you're having this massive leverage on your, your not just your current mood, but your lifespan. Imagine eight more years after retirement, after you have a chance to play with your, your grandchildren and travel and do all these things for eight years more, just because of mood. I want to tell you one, one case history, which just gives me the chills, because here's, here's one person applying mind to matter in their life and seeing huge shifts. And so this, this friend of mine called Beth, who's writing a book about her experiences, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she had this diagnosis at a fairly late stage. So the tumor was big. It was about five centimeters or two inches in diameter on the top of her right breast. And with a tumor that large, the, the oncologists, the doctors where she was being treated suspected that it may have begun to metastasize or spread throughout her body. So they, they did a scan of the lymph nodes under her right arm and found that all those lymph nodes were inflamed and swollen with an increased blood supply, which suggested that they were full of cancer cells as well, which meant that now once your cancer has spread to your lymph nodes, it can spread throughout your body and produce secondary tumors all over the body. So that was what they began to see had happened to Beth. And then they found three spots of inflammation on her right lung. So now it looked as though that the, the, uh, the, the cancer was traveling through her body and infecting other parts of her body. This is a very serious diagnosis. It was so serious that her oncologist said to her, when she got the, the day she got the diagnosis, said, Beth, normally we schedule you for radiation and chemotherapy to start like next week or the week after, but I want you to go straight from my office today to the radiation department and get your first treatment. It means that it's, this is life-threatening. You've got to do it starting today. And Beth, knowing about energy work, said, I need time to think. I'll get back to you and didn't do that treatment. She then focused on every single possible way she could change her energy. So in the next few weeks, she began to do Qigong extensively. She began to meditate uh, every day. She was using EFT tapping. We were doing surrogate long-distance tapping acupressure tapping for her. She got rid of all the things stressing her out, like she quit, quit watching the news. She turned up all the alerts on her wireless mobile device, her cell phone. She um, quit volunteering for organizations that were stressing her out. She uh, quit being in contact with any, anybody, any person in her life who was toxic or caused negative emotions. She rigidly cleaned up the energy in her life, as well as her diet, her exercise, and physical things like that. So she got the diagnosis in March. In May, she went back to the oncology department, feeling much better. And again, she all she done is change her energy, changed the energy in her life. They found the tumor had shrunk from five centimeters to one point four centimeters, and that all of the lymph nodes under her right her right armpit were completely normal, completely clear of the cancer they'd observed there before. And uh, then, of course, they said what oncologists say is, well, it's great the tumor shrunk so much. Let's do surgery and cut the rest of it out. And Beth said, <laughs> I think, thanks, but no thanks. And I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing with energy. She did, did that. And later on, she had blood work. It showed that she was totally cancer-free. And there was only two months that elapsed between 
the first scan and the second scan. And so that's how quickly tumors respond. In another study I talk about in Mind to Matter, people got energy work, women got energy work just before uh, breast cancer surgeries. And in just a single treatment, those tumors shrank visibly by up to half in just a single hour. Also in chapter one of Mind to Matter, I cover the work of a close friend of mine, Dr. Bill Bankston, who's been doing randomized controlled trials with cancer in mice. And these mice just recover from fatal metastasized cancer. So it is powerful and that's all energy. There's nothing physical going on here. There are no pills, no radiation treatment. This is all energy. Your energy and the state of, state of your consciousness is having a profound and massive effect on your cells all over your body. Yeah, and, that, and to me, that's, that's, these are not like shocking. Like it's amazing. I, for me, it's more, it gives me more certainty and confidence because I mean, I've, I've heard stories of like people with great tumors two months down the road, all of a sudden it's gone. Oncologist says, we misdiagnosed. And, or, <laughs> yeah, I love that one, right? Oh, we misdiagnosed. We thought it may, it may not have been what we thought it was. Uh, and I always, I, when I hear these stories, I'm like, come on. So one of the things is, you know, let's say there's a listener listening to this and, and they're going, okay, this sounds great. How would you explain this works in a sense, in, in a very, in a simple way? Uh, with just using energy, how do, I mean, I know we talked a little bit about genes and epigenetics and gene expression and all that. How does just doing energy do that? This is one of the really big discoveries and focuses of my book, Mind to Matter, is that I found studies and research reviews going back uh, best part of a century showing the effects of energy on cells. And typically, this was researchers, often they were electrical engineers, they were passing currents through cell cultures, so bone cells, nerve cells, skin cells, and so on, and they were observing what happened. And what they found was that certain frequencies had big effects on our cells. One, for example, passed a certain frequency through DNA, just human DNA, and they found that the process of repairing the DNA, the DNA repairing itself, doubled. It doubled the amount of repair the DNA was doing with this particular frequency. But the big, I had several big aha moments. And the reason that Mind to Matter is written like a kind of a, an adventure novel is because the, these were profound epiphanies. And um, I suddenly thought, let's take a look and compare the frequencies that stimulate cell, cell repair, cell growth, good, good gene expression, all of these beneficial effects in cells, let's compare those with the frequencies that our brains emit during meditation. Now, no one had ever thought about doing this before, and I'm amazed no it never occurred to anyone before that this was, this was a, uh, a way you could correlate the two. But I then said, it's cool that these frequencies are stimulating our expression of healthy genes and healthy enzymes and cell repair, but which of those frequencies are produced endogenously within our own bodies by our own brains? Because those aren't from some kind of outside source. These are naturally occurring frequencies in our body. We just amp them up during meditation. And I have graphs in the book too, showing that when we meditate in, in an effective way, for example, alpha waves, don't just increase 10, 20%. Alpha waves can double. Uh, theta is 
the, one of the two main ways of healing. And it stimulates the, the, the proliferation of stem cells. It stimulates bone repair, nerve repair, has all kinds of beneficial effects. And the amount of theta we produce in meditation can easily triple. The amount of delta, another healing wave, can triple or even, even more. So um, what I did was I traced the correlations between the waves we produce in meditation and the effects on our cells. So the, the, a critical part of the book, the middle of the book, is all about how our emotions are organizing these kinds of brain waves. So when we get calm, when we meditate, when we get unstressed, our emotions are creating these, these positive brain waves. And in turn, those are triggering all these changes in our cells. And so that's the practical way in which this affects the body. I love that. So would you say then like, you know, cause I know alpha is also too good for like focus when you're working theta is that, you know, when you get into that meditated state, it's really known for that. And then, you know, Delta has a lot of restorative stuff. What about beta? Cause I know that when we're stressed or have anxiety, we have anxiousness, we rev up the cycles of the brain and get us in that beta state, which some people say it's our work state of mind. Um, any stuff on that where it can affect our health or make us overwork or overcharge the body with the frequencies and stuff? Dramatically. Uh, beta, high beta can drastically degrade your performance and your cell health. So it is the working state of mind. It is the state of mind of, of waking consciousness. So when I'm awake, I'm, say, grading a research paper, or I'm balancing my checkbook, or I'm doing something that requires conscious thought, then I have beta. But when I have an anxiety attack, when I'm uh, really depressed, when I'm ruminating on negative thoughts, you'll see big flares of beta. And along with big beta, you'll see a contraction of alpha, beta, and delta, and no gamma. Gamma is your wave of integration, your wave of creativity. It just disappears. Beta just kills all of those healthy brain waves. And it's, it's remarkable. I have several graphs in the book showing people in that kind of high beta state. And you see their, their healing theta, their restorative delta, their integrative gamma just disappear. And we do, we do this live on stage in some of our, our workshops too. And so um, right there, we'll hook someone up to an EEG. We'll then in, have them think about a bad thing, a bad event in their lives. They'll produce a lot of, lot of beta, and then it'll suppress all of their healing waves. And so if you're going through the world stressed and anxious and miserable and depressed, you're sending those signals to yourselves. But if you meditate, then the whole process goes to reverse. You make lots, you, you shrink your beta down to almost nothing. You still have to function consciously. And then you, you expand your alpha, and you have lots of theta and delta, which in turn triggers gamma. And in some long-term meditators, they have over eight times the gamma of normal people. And they have it sustained over periods of time, not just in very quick one or two second flashes like we see in, in normal brains. So it is having all these effects on your brain and it shows up on an EEG and brain waves. You'd also measure it easily yourself in a simple home EEG. So there, there are headsets by, by, by uh, companies like NeuroSky and uh, Muse and use these little home EEGs. They'll show you changes in your brain, brain. And those changes are often radical shifts in these brain waves. Yeah, it's pretty fast. I've, I've have experimented with Muse a lot and it's interesting how to just shift consciousness and get into the focus with your meditations and, and get into that state. And uh, I love how you share long-term meditators. They'll, they'll get into those gamma states. And I always think that's like, you know, the creative side of us and so forth. And I think of that as the kid-like, cause I don't know about yourself, but I know for me, when I've met 
uh, long-term meditators, some call them gurus and sages and mystics and all that. I always get amazed at the childlike uh, energy that they have, which is always yeah. so fascinating. They're at play, and uh, kids actually have a lot of that energy, a lot of that those frequencies in their, their heads, too, unless they're traumatized or their emotions are suppressed. So, yeah. Uh, very yeah. awesome. Very, very awesome stuff. So I know we've been talking a lot about health and all this with the mind. I want to just take a moment and dive into... How does the mind play a role on your, your, your reality? How does it play a role on your world and all that stuff? In a big way. And so the first half of mind matter is what we've been talking about up to now, Vic. So it's all about how changes in consciousness produce changes in the body and locally inside your cells. But at the beginning and the end of the book, I talk a lot about non-local mind. So we have a, a local mind and a local personality, and we then have access to non-local mind, which is a, a mind, universal intelligence that they talk about in chiropractic, or the uh, chiropractic is really, really aware of this organizing intelligence in the, in the universe. There's lots of research, too, telling us about this. And so what happens when we change our, our mental states? What happens to stuff in the world around us? And so I'm sitting here at a desk, and I have books around me, I have a computer keyboard, and I have all this stuff. And so you look at this and it seems very solid, it seems very tangible, you think, how can this change? And it turns out that it can and does change. And the most interesting provocative experiments to me are those done with water, because water constitutes about 70% of the human body, also about 70% of the surface of the planet, and about 99% of the, of the molecules in your body are water. So when water changes, other things change as well. And in various pieces of research, it's shown that consciousness changes water in one set of clinical trials. And there are quite a few different studies by independent labs showing this. They look at the molecular bond between the two hydrogen atoms of H2O and the oxygen atom. So you've got a big oxygen atom, got two little hydrogens over there, and that molecular bonding angle is 104 degrees. And I talk all about this at the end of, end of Mind to Matter. So I show you what that molecule looks like, and there's this consistent bonding angle. It's always 104 degrees. But when you take that water, give it to a healing touch practitioner who holds her hands around it, doesn't even touch it, and then projects healing energy into it, that water is changed. I mean, tell it's changed because if you use it to water a plant, or water seeds, more of the seeds germinate in the blessed water or the intentional water than in the unblessed samples of water. Those plants grow bigger, stronger, taller, and have more chlorophyll than unblessed ones. And some experiments are to twice as high. So we know the water is changing in some way, but we now have the technology to actually measure how. And it turns out that that molecular angle of 104 degrees is literally changing. It's shrinking, and that molecular angle becomes less than 104. So this water now is different from normal water, and that difference is produced purely by consciousness. So that's an ex just one example. There are many examples in the book of how we change the world outside of ourselves, but we definitely are changing the water around ourselves and in our bodies. And we can do that just by awareness alone. I love that. And I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Dr. Masaru's uh, Emoto's book with the emotions and how it changes water and all that and, and, and music and just how we're you, a lot of different vibrational frequencies over a lot of different things can influence and change the structure of water. 
Uh, and I know that plays a huge role on health uh, drastically, because as you said, we're about 70% water, give or take. Um, with that angle and stuff, does that, the, when we have different, like the water or the frequency, the angles, those types of things, does that change how we manifest, how we see things in our world? How, how does that affect our reality? There's one cool story about changing your consciousness, changing your reality that I, I just chuckle over every time I think about this. So a friend of mine is a psychologist. Her name is Pat Carrington. And uh, she had a client who came to her for her issues with men and uh, relationships. So she'd been in a series of unsatisfying relationships, been single quite a long time, and came to Pat for help with this problem. And as Pat explored her core belief, she had a really strong core belief that all the good men are taken. So Pat worked with her on this belief. So again, we're working at the level of the mind, we're at the level of belief, at the level of the neural circuits that fire and wire together, that run that signal, that hold that belief that all the good men are taken. And Pat worked with her on changing that belief. And uh, she, shortly after that, she did some work on the belief. And this woman began to change her belief and believe that that old belief she had was no, no longer serving her, letting go of it, and being excited and delighted about possibly meeting the perfect man. And she actually made a list of 45 items that she wanted to find in, in, a, in a man that she'd want to be with. So a few sessions later, this client bounded into Pat's office, really excited to tell her that she'd met the man of her dreams. This man had many of the qualities on her list, and uh, she was so excited about meeting him. And then to fast forward, Pat said that she, uh, she eventually got married to this man and had a wonderful relationship. Pat met the couple several times in, in subsequent years, socially in the towns they lived in, and uh, so they had a wonderful marriage. So that's what happened in the future. But during that crucial session, when the client walked in and told her she met the man of her dreams, Pat asked her, where did you meet him? And the client said, I met him in the office I work in. And Pat said, and just in terms of the office layout, uh, where is he? And the client said, oh, he, is, uh, he works two cubicles away from me. And Pat, scratching her head, said, and how long has he worked two cubicles away from you? And the client said, about six months. And what you know, Pat was happy for her, but Pat was thinking in her own mind, Mr. Wright, her future perfect husband, was only two cubicles away from her for six months, and she couldn't see him because she had a belief that all the good men were taken. So that's the paradox here. We have to change our beliefs first. When we change our beliefs about the world, about our bodies, about money, about our children, about our, our social life, we change all of these beliefs internally, they begin to apply out there in the world. So it's really hard to do this because we, like this woman had a series of failed relationships, she could prove to you how right her belief was that all the good men were taken. And you have to, despite all that evidence that you're right about these bad things about the way the world is, you have to start believing a different story, and it's hard to do. So we teach people, people meditation. At the, all the live workshops I teach, I train them both in meditation and tapping so that they then can start to examine those beliefs and dismantle them. When they do that, they change their neural wiring. Then you can see the perfect husband that's been working for six months, two cubicles down from you. While you have that belief, you can't see him. It's invisible to you. Once you change your belief, you then see what's been there 
under your nose all along. This happens. This, this happens to money. So in mind to matter, I have examples with money where people had just discovered all kinds of money when they changed their beliefs about money, about relationships, about all the different parts of life. And so that's our our challenge as human beings is to take those fixed neural wiring patterns we've got that encode our core beliefs and. Before anything's changed in our outside world, you start to change internally in consciousness. But when you do that, suddenly, externally around you, all kinds of things begin to shift. So the crucial thing is here is not trying to change the, the world around you. It's just internal state change, internal trade change. That is what then produces change in the world around you. And I have a whole chapter on this phenomenon called emotional contagion about how as our emotions spread out from us, they they change the world around us and they change things like other molecules, other particles besides water. There's a ton of science in the book, but it's also illustrated by the stories of people like the woman who believed that all the good men were taken, like Beth with terminal cancer, stories like this of people who put mind to matter principles into work and then saw their external lives change once their internal consciousness shifted to align with non-local mind and no longer be bound by the limitations of their local minds. I love the story you share with that because it's like it was there at the whole time and she just couldn't see it. And how many times, like you said, with money or it can be in other areas of people's lives where they uh, don't see things because of their filters they put on their own eyes or eyes mind uh, with that. Yeah, exactly right. It's fascinating stuff. So the book, where can people get this book? I'm even excited to read it and, and dive deep into it and because I love how uh, you share, you know, there's stories, there's the science, and, and you bring it all together. Um, how can people get a hold of it? Well, it's available online, and it's uh, it's really been amazing. In the year since it came out, um, it's hitting up for upwards of 100,000 copies. So it's it's become just a, a phenomenal bestseller. And uh, people are, are doing book groups about it. People study groups about it. People are blogging about it. People are uh, joining our Mind Matter online community. And all of that, the hub for all of that, including our live events, is mindtomatter.com. And there are links there to live events. There are links to just go buy the book. I also am really grateful when people do like the book, they leave me a review on Amazon, because my goal is to have over a thousand five-star reviews. And we're about halfway there now and would love to put it over the top. So once if once once you like a book, it really gives it a it makes it more visible to leave a, a review. So I'm asking people to really let other people know other people who are suffering because the the bottom line is that if you stay stuck in your suffering, then you are just going to repeat those patterns over and over and over again. If you can change your consciousness, then often you find a lot of your suffering just goes away. It's as easy as acupressure, as easy as. 15, 20 minutes of meditation in the morning, and you get, you get access to all of these states and then turn them into traits just by practicing the methods in the book. So mindtomatter.com is the best single location to get all of this stuff. And, and like you said, everything, everything, guys, starts in the mind. And, and like you're saying with suffering, I mean, if the more you stay in there and suffer, the more your world shrinks and the more that happens, it, it's going to, uh, you're going to train that brain to be a certain way in a certain pattern. And then all of a sudden you get stuck in this way. So this is going to be a great avenue. So I highly recommend everybody, all the listeners, check that out. Um, Dawson, how can people get a hold of you if they want to connect with you? 
Seymour, also, also through the site, if you just email me or others through the site, we have a whole team who will take care of you. If it's to do with research or, or appearances, I'll get back to you. We, we just love the, the vibrant healing community that's emerging. It's not just what I'm doing. I mean, we have, there are so many millions of people now. Um, the number of people, I just looked at this, at this, this figure recently, and uh, I, I found that all along in, 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 in history, about 1% of the population were serious about the spiritual path, were meditators, were, were focused on their spiritual growth. And if you go back to medieval England or Germany, it's about 1%. If you go back to the US around the, around the turn of the 19th century, 1%. Around 1900, around 1990, 1%. But by 2005, about 4% of the US population was meditating. So there's a big rise. Today, about 14% of the US population is meditating. We're seeing an explosion in these techniques and they, they are so crucial to relieving our suffering. So uh, I'm just, just really, again, I'm on, I, I'm really on a mission to get this, this work in the hands of lots of people and seeing that suffering relieved. I love it. And I think it's that some of the rules say if once you hit past 15%, that's when it just starts to take off. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I mean, I know in chiropractic, we say that a lot because in America, in the United States, we see yeah, about 10, 15%. Uh, that's not who's seeing a chiropractor actively, but the whole push is that 15% once it happens all of a sudden, I think it's from the, uh, I'm going blank now, monks, I think it was the monkeys or was it the Galapagos? Oh, the hundred monkey story. Yes, yeah. the hundred monkey story. Yes. Where it hits that certain threshold and it's the tipping point and all of a sudden, boom, there we go. So, um, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I appreciate the work you're doing because it is much needed. Um, teaching people, we live in a very reactive world. It's only getting worse. And I believe these tools and mindfulness type tools can really help us to return back to being human. And that's how I kind of look at it and allow them to really get more of the human experience of what we have uh, and the beauty of what is all here. Unfortunately, we just don't see it because we're so um, limited or our belief systems have been muddied. The water has been muddied a little bit. Yeah, and of course, we're in that default mode network much of the time and worried about the past and fearful of the future and anxious. And so in that state, we can't be present to our, our jobs, to our children, to our parents, to our marriages, to our friends. And when you clear all that clutter with these simple tools, then suddenly you are present and you're living your life rather than reacting to stuff around you. It is, it is just a, a life-transforming practice. And I, I just so want that to be available to millions and millions of people. I love it. And so I appreciate you for being on. I thank you for the time and uh, continue doing the amazing work that you're doing. It's a pleasure. And thanks for sharing this.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.